My name is Sasha Jenkin. I've always been fascinated by what makes people tick and I've been fortunate enough to pursue this interest in my work as a therapist for the best part of the last 20 years. So many of us struggle with liking ourselves. I notice this challenge in people regardless of their status or life experience and it's something I've grappled with clients and with myself. Finding a way to like ourselves, to sit with who we are and say, I'm okay. In this podcast, I discuss this subject with other professionals who work with people, counsellors, therapists, mediators and coaches amongst others, to uncover how they feel it within themselves and how they work on it with their clients. So, join us in the Validation Lounge, discover the diverse ideas and ways of working in the self-help field, get to learn more about human beings, and you might even learn to like yourself a little more. Welcome to the Validation Lounge, and today I'm talking to Melissa Cliff. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Sasha. I wondered if you could um, just take some time to introduce yourself, maybe a little bit about your methodology and your training and and your areas of interest. Yeah, of course. Um, So I'm Melissa Cliff. I am trained as a Gestalt psychotherapist. Um, My training Gestalt informs a lot of what I do, but like many therapists, uh, we can be a little bit like magpies. So over the years, you know, I, I, you know, I've read into other modalities, so I may use bits of transaction analysis, or I'm, I'm interested in, in the ideas of young at the moment. And, um, so I, I draw on, you know, ideas from spirituality from, from lots of different areas. I feel like you, you train and then, and then you really widen, um, your, your knowledge as, 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 you know, being led by your interest and where your clients take you actually. So uh, at the moment, I've been working, well, I work with individuals and I work with couples and I've recently been working more with women in midlife. So looking at transition and how we make changes through that time and the growing pains that, that, that we feel as we, we, we leave behind mm-hmm. maybe an old sense of self and develop a new sense of self. And I, you know, as somebody who's fairly introverted and, and highly sensitive, I also have an interest in working with um, those people. Um, I tend to, I've often worked with a lot of creative people as well. And um, yeah, I guess quite a, a, a range of people over the years. Um, my, my dissertation when I was studying for my master's was about third culture kids. Um, I'm a third culture kid myself, which it means that I... I Grew up away from my passport country and moved internationally as a child a, a, a few times. And so I'm also interested in the experience of coming from somewhere else and being uprooted and having to change and being internationally mobile in your developing years. So that, that's also another interest of mine. A few kind of varied interests and um, areas of experience. Yeah, I, I I feel like as you're, well, being a therapist is a really interesting way of working because as you develop throughout your career, um, it takes you into different directions and you discover different things through your clients, through yourself and your own work. And um, yeah, yeah it, it, it's great to always be learning and discovering new things. Hmm. And And what does the word validation bring up for you? Well... I would say it's different. To, validation is a verb, yeah. isn't it? Because um, I was 
almost immediately going to, see, to say self-worth, but I guess validation is also a process where yeah. we feel like we are affirmed. Um, mm-hmm. I think it is a process of, of, of how we are affirmed. I'm thinking back to you know, how we are as, as babies and infants and that very important early validation that we need of just being attuned to and met and being given that sense of I'm okay and I'm lovable and I'm worthy. Um, that happens yes. through relationship, really. But And I guess that validation, that process of validation is what gives us that sense of I am worthy. I mm-hmm. you know, have good self-esteem. I love myself. Um, so it's the process of making of, of that that leads to that that belief and that acceptance of ourselves. It's an incredibly important thing. Incredibly, yeah, yeah. Mm. And um, I'm hearing that 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 it sort of takes you to that um, experience that we have as as babies, and how um, that how key that is to our, our the development of our of how we validate ourselves. Yes, and. Yeah. Yes, I mean we know that you know it's absolute those those early years and and you know the time in the womb too is 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 really critical, and the way that we're met in those early days really you know, shapes our neurochemistry. Um, it, it it creates a blueprint for how we relate in life and how we think of ourselves in life. It, it's very difficult um, when we don't get that validation, and of course none of us, you, you know, we all have imperfect caregivers, so. We all have an experience of when things go wrong, some some more than others. But mm. um, yeah, those early experiences are, are such a um, are so profoundly affecting. Yeah, yeah. And can you remember the first time that you realised that you were important or that you felt important? There are there are maybe two instances that I think of, and quite different in in some ways. The first one that I think of is. It, it's a very early memory, mm-hmm. and there's nothing grand or exciting about it. I remember the sense of being alongside my mother when she was just going about her household chores. I have an image of us of her cleaning things in the bathroom, and me feeling helpful, you know, doing my own cleaning with her. And I don't recall anything that was said it was just a very lovely feeling of me thinking I'm here I am with this nice person my mother mm-hmm. and we're very contentedly being with each other and doing this simple work and it just feeling really good and it wasn't anything mm. about having to prove anything to be accepted we were just there, and, and, and as I said, it's this, this sense of contentment that, that, that I felt. And um, so that, you know, I, I think that is quite a validating experience. It's just a sense of I'm enough. It doesn't, you know, I'm not, just through being. Yeah, yeah, just by, just by being in this space with you, I'm okay. Yeah, and then probably a later one, which is, you know, quite a different experience is, which is, I guess I was around about the age of 30 where I'd been going out with somebody for quite a while. And, um, you know, there were a lot of issues within the relationship and it was somebody who had 
no interest in doing the things that I wanted to. They were grumpy and cynical. And I think I got to, at that point, I had started retraining as a, as a therapist. And so I was getting a lot from that. I was in therapy. I was getting a better sense of myself and probably more um, self-compassion and understanding. And I reached a point where I thought, well, you know, he didn't want to do anything that I thought was fun or interesting or adventurous. Yeah. He, you know, didn't want us to have friends over at my birthdays. He would, you know, try and get me to go home early. Um, I wanted to travel. He didn't. I liked the theater. He didn't. There are so many things that I enjoyed that I thought, and I had this realization. I thought, if I stay with you, mm-hmm. that means I will never have a partner with whom I can share the things that I love. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a moment when I made a decision that what I needed and what I wanted to do enjoy in life was more important than being in a relationship that, that wasn't working for me. And I felt like at that time I, I chose me over the relationship. And I chose my future over the relationship and my happiness over the relationship. And I, I think there's something I, I was able to separate that out. And, yeah. Um, that your self-worth, mm. that, that you, in, if you continued in this relationship, the, the part of you to do with living your life and enjoy, doing the things that kind of make you feel alive would have to be kind of put aside. Yes, I think it would have been, it, it, it was damaging to my spirit to, mm. to, to stay in that. And I, and I recognize that, I, but it, it took me a long time to recognize it. Um, and I think it took, you know, a, a fair bit of help and, and awareness to, to get there. But when I did, it was like, what am I doing? This isn't, this isn't the life I want. And I think it's interesting that both of those experiences, it seems, were in while you were in relationship it was about about kind of being in relation being with someone else that that the the part of what was evoked in you around you being valid was in 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 in, in kind of created by being with another person and I wonder if that's something that you something that you can you know think about in terms of how relationship you know what the what the place of that is in in self worth and and how we feel about ourselves. It is really critical. I, I mean, I think there's a couple of aspects to it. it. It's it's extremely important. I like I said with the, these early experiences, we get to know ourselves. Um, I didn't say earlier. I, I I have also been interviewing women about how they feel about appearance too, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting how you know that quite a few women have said that having a partner who liked the way they looked help them to be much more accepting of how they looked because they would take mm-hmm. a lot of shaming um, messages from culture and society and grew a dislike of themselves. And it was through their partner saying, but I think you're beautiful and, and, and I accept you. I don't have these issues with you. But that, that really encouraged them to say, yeah, actually, I'm okay. What, he, mm-hmm. You know, they think I'm beautiful. I, yeah, I'm, I'm good enough. So, yeah, I absolutely think it can go both ways. You can either get that really positive affirmation and it can also obviously go the other way where you can be shamed, humiliated, torn down, um, which is also dangerous. But I also am thinking of, you know, someone who is quite introverted too, that, um, yes, I guess we learn it from relationships, but we have to apply it to ourselves as well. 
Mm. So, so for me, and I think many introverted people, we also have to recognize that I think having time on our own is also giving to ourselves and is validating and saying, yes, I need this time. And Oh, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So that's something about your relationship with, uh, with yourself, perhaps, that in order to feed yourself, you're, you, you need to have time alone. Yes. And, and yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think if you're introverted, you really struggle if you don't get that time. It's, it's, um, it, it, that is your nourishment. That is, mm-hmm. that's, that's your calm place. That's your place where you go to recharge. And so, um, mm. you know, that is just as important as the, you know, having good relations and being affirmed and have people, you know, delight in you and all of those good things. You, you have to also learn to delight in yourself. Yeah. And there's something also about we need to perhaps in order to invest in ourselves, we need to feel that we're worth investing in. So we need to have a certain perhaps a certain degree of self-worth in order to make that time yes. for ourselves. It's like a kind of like a cyclical, like a yes. cyclical thing. Does yes. that make sense? Yeah, it does. And actually, it's funny because I think when you're introverted in an extroverted world, you get a lot of messages that you should want to be with people and if you're not wanting to stay out with people late and do all these things that you're a little bit odd or unusual for not wanting to do mm-hmm. these things so i think for an when you're introverted you really it, it perhaps takes a little longer you need a little bit more help to kind of say actually you know this is this is a just a valid way of being in the world mm-hmm. and uh, it's almost like you have to push back against it a little bit more because that the tide of you know society and culture is all saying hey come along with us whoa come and let's all be together and you you have to resist that you you know in order to say actually no I'm putting a boundary here this is my time and this is how I'm choosing to do it yeah so perhaps at the moment there's something around what society tells us we should do in order to feel self-worth Yes. That, that we need to be out there being having thousands of friends on social media and being extrovert and doing things out there and being seen yes. to be doing things yes and, um in order to uh, you know that's that might be fine for a lot of people but for some of um I think I would probably say that I kind of that speaks to me that kind of needing just time to myself to and it's also for me it's about my boundaries about making sure that I I kind of in order to have clear boundaries with my the, my in my relationships, I need to invest in my own how I'm feeling about myself as well, and that means having time on my own just to reflect and to and to and to pause and breathe. Yes, with Gestalt psychotherapy, we're always working with. Um, we say that the self is created at the contact boundary, so it's oh. looking at how you relate to yourself, how you relate to your environment, how you relate to others. And, you know, it, it's, it's this constant being in a process and a dialogue with yourself. So it's, mm. it's always coming back to what are my needs? What am I feeling? What are my sensations? What are I experiencing? What do I want now? You know, it, it's always just coming back to being. But, but really, you know, if you're in contact with yourself, then it's recognizing, okay, at the moment, maybe I need connection or in the moment yeah. I want disconnection. Or I think it's that that relationship that you you build with yourself that yeah. that you have to listen to and and it it's it sounds very simple in some ways but it but it's a lifelong habit you know of 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 learning to do it 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say, that it, the more I think about this stuff and talk about it, the more I realize that so much of it, we don't, we don't, it's not about reaching the end and getting to the, it's like a journey that, and that we're constantly on. And maybe there's a kind of, there are tools that we can get for ourselves to, for example, notice, you know, I was going to ask you, do you, do you know when you, when you're kind of time, do you, do you have warning signs, but if you, if you kind of, haven't had enough time to yourself to kind of recharge. Yeah, yeah, and I and I and because I pay attention, you know, I'm more I can pick up on them more um, easier than I perhaps did in the past. So you know, maybe you start feeling overwhelmed, or maybe you start feeling a bit mm. down or tired. If I'm with people for too long, I start to get tired. Um, and it's mm. yeah. So there are certainly, or, or you're you know, emotionally, you might start to feel affected. You you you. It, it seems like you lose uh, me, and I imagine for others, it, it's a, a kind of a, a loss of vitality and a kind of need to go mm. inwards. Like your fire mm. kind of goes out a little yeah. bit, it doesn't flicker as yes, as full flamed. Yeah, it, it's probably a good description. Mm. Um, I'm still. I keep thinking about what you were saying about your project around appearance, and, and it's making me think about. Um, well, what it was making me think about was. I was going to ask you if women might be different to men in terms of, I think it's something that Brene Brown talks about when she talks about um, what we might feel shameful about, that one of the things that for women, this is a huge sweeping statement and a generalisation, I'm not saying everyone's the same, that around feeling good about ourselves is to do with our appearance, that we may have had shame, we may have felt shame in the past to do with, like, so for example, one of the experiences I've, I've spoken about this before that I had when I was in my early teens, I really loved um, Audrey Hepburn and mm. uh, I was watching a film of hers with my nan and um, she, my, and I said, Oh, God, Audrey Hepburn has got such an amazingly beautiful long neck. And my nan said, Oh yes, you're no swan. Are you darling? And, yeah. Um, so, so yes. Yeah. I'm old enough now to sort of say it from an observational point of view but at the time it was, it was really kind of ouchy and really shaming and it was about not fitting into a, a societal expectation of how women should look mm. I wondered if that if, if that kind of thing had come into your research yeah I mean everyone uh, every woman I've spoken with has recognizes that that mm. um for every single one there has been a process or a journey towards acceptance and they're all in diff at different places on in that process or different and it seems strangely that on the whole this is a generalization again this is not for everybody but for a lot of them that as they age they seem to get more accepting which you wouldn't have thought because the further away they get from that I youthful ideal you would think the worse they would feel but mm. I think you know they seem to there seems to be a, a point where they reach, where they go, well, you know, I've put away or I've gone gray or this has changed and I'm still me and I, my friends still accept me, my partners still accept me. And actually, you know, I, I'm not saying that they're fully embracing it, all of them. You know, they may be things they still don't like, but they do seem to be more okay with them or, or the, the amount of importance that's placed on these things lessens. It may not completely go away, but it lessens. But I have, you know, it, 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 you know, all women get 
these messages about how we're meant to be. And um, we are basically brought up to dislike our bodies. I mean, mm-hmm. there's no question. We, we are, um, and it's really tragic that, that, you know, you have people who just hate their bodies, their bodies that support them, their bodies that, you know, allow them to live and breathe and, you know, where life comes from. And they can become very dissociated from their bodies. Could you give an example of how that happens when you say that? I'm thinking of, I've worked with people who've got who've had eating disorders, for instance, where, I don't know, there's something about a real body hatred, but, you know, intellectually and creatively in other ways, they're doing a lot, but their body is just this sort of alien place where it's just a source of hatred. So they kind of, you know, come, become numb to it. They're very alive in other ways, but this part is just, you know, they don't, they're not feeling in it. Mm. It's, it's 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 their body stops being a felt experience um and then you lose a lot of you know vital clues about about how to be you know it it, it affects your emotional ability to be emotionally alive if, if you can't tap into your sensations and your feelings and all those other things that we, we experience through our bodies and that kind of leads into um, one of the things that I was going to ask you about, how feelings might um, be involved in how we validate ourselves or I think you kind of sort of started answering that in a way, but is that something that you've thought about? or So, so, that, so how feelings validate? So the relationship of our feelings, how we are able to emote and how mm. we're able to be aware of the mm. feelings we're in and how much that is involved with how we're able to like ourselves i where i've gone to with that is ideas around shame and ideas around um acceptance and um i guess when you have shame which should be the opposite of validation i think Mm. um there's those beliefs that come with it i am bad i'm wrong i'm terrible um you know and then you get all those you know, with it, you get hopelessness, depressive feelings, um, or they could be kind of angry, you know, you could turn against yourself in those ways. So you really, you, you really, they really ignite all those, all those very rejecting feelings of yourself. Whereas I guess if you're having validation, then you can more easily feel love, happiness, laughter, um, enthusiasm, I guess those growth, you, you know, um, emotions that are, are perhaps feel more growthful and that's not to say that we don't ever have to go to those dark places and yeah some, sometimes you know, there are things that we learn in shame too but um you know i guess we're talking about like toxic shame or that really corrosive shame that 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 gets you stuck there um but i was thinking too about i don't know if i'm going off track here but i was thinking about you know, pride and validation Mm -hmm. and shame and how, you know, maybe the opposite of shame is also pride, which is, and I, and I guess pride is something that gets mobilized, mobilized a lot in, in marginalized groups where they have Mm -hmm. been invalidated. And, um, I find it really interesting that it's pride that, that starts to lift them out of that and saying, yes, I can be proud of myself. I am proud of myself. And um, I think there's something, it's, it's, it's a real healing balm to be yeah. able to, to connect with that sense of pride. And, we, you know, we're taught 
not to be arrogant. Um, and I don't think this is the same as arrogant, but I, mm. but that, but knowing that we can say, yeah, I'm proud of who I am. It's really important. Totally. And that, that's making me think about loads of different things, but actually, for me, I think to say that I'm proud, I think I can also feel a worry that I'm being arrogant. So it can be, it's not straightforward as it is kind of, and maybe that's to do with some sort of kind of social or cultural conditioning or fam, familial conditioning that I've had. Um, yeah. Maybe it's an English thing, not to make sweeping statements again, but um, so yeah. it can be, yeah. yeah. But there's a, I don't know, I may have told you before, I mean, there's a story I've shared when I moved from the US to the UK. And I, I moved around about the age of, well, just soon before I turned eight. And I remember being at my school in the U.S. And we were all looking at, we, we, we'd drawn pictures of horses and they're all on the, on the wall. And, and each of us was looking at our, our pictures and saying things like, oh, I really like my horse. Look, I've done a really good colors. Or I really like my horse. Look at the way it has a bent leg, like it's moving. And everybody had something good to say about their drawing. And then I, you know, went forward a few months to when I was in the UK mm-hmm. and I was in my school. And once again, I was with a group of, you know, class children looking at our artwork on the board. I can't remember the artwork, what the artwork was this time, but I heard someone saying, oh, I don't think mine's very good. And somebody next to me said, oh, no, look, yours is great, but mine is terrible. And in turn, each person, went and 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 just slagged off their picture and I remember listening to it and 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 I really had a moment of taking it in and thinking oh I I, like so this is how it works here we're supposed to say bad things about our our, about the work that we produce we're not so we're not supposed to say good things about what we do and yeah that just really stuck me so I do you know, um, often come back to that. I do really think there's something cultural here in, in the UK about having to be modest and don't yeah. brag. Um, you know, I have children at school and it's amazing how much they hear anything that sounds, you know, when people are saying I'm proud of this and they very quickly say, oh, they're boasting. It comes in very quickly. Yeah. When you're working in a gestalt way, we often work with a gestalt cycle of awareness and it looks at how we get our needs met. And, you know, so you have a sensation and then you have an awareness and then you act on it. And then then one of the key moments in that is, is that we feel satisfaction when we've completed something. And, okay. and so often we rush through and we don't have the satisfaction. But that it's almost like we're not allowed. We, we've been told not to feel that satisfaction, not to take mm-hmm. pleasure or reward in things or in ourselves, not to feel pride in ourselves, not to feel. It's almost like we're told, no, don't feel good about yourself. Or otherwise, yeah, you know, you're big headed. So it's it's really complex. Yeah. And I, that, uh, the lot of the so I'm kind of really interested in trauma and um, more and more of my training is around this. And one of the things that I talk a lot about is um how our brains work and how we are more disposed to the negative, more predisposed <laughs> to the negative. We will be, we are much more likely to be negative than positive. Yes. It's been, it's almost a survival thing because the, the, the human beings that were negative and were worried about what the outcome, you know, what was around the corner were more likely to survive. So it's actually thinking about it, there's quite a lot that goes against us. And then if we're women as well, <laughs> it can yeah. be, it's almost like a lot of conditioning we have to fight. Yes. Now, the more I think about it, it's like, no wonder a lot of us struggle with feeling self-worth, you know. Absolutely. And 
and so much is about undoing the conditioning. Yeah. And I think with that negative bias that you're talking about, that, that you know predisposition, predisposition to yeah. to be negative about ourselves or to notice the negative. Um, I mean, I, I've you know when I work with clients, one of the things I, I often do is 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 trying to consciously um, change that. And I I think this is where neuroscience really supports us. You know that we know that we can change our neural pathways. And yeah. I, I've certainly worked with people. And I remember when people started talking about gratitude and keeping gratitude to diaries. And initially, I thought, oh, this is a bit of pop psychology and it's a bit silly. But I, you know, I've worked with people who've been quite depressed and said, right, well, look, just three, t- come up with three things a day that you feel grateful for, and take a moment to really feel them. Allow mm-hmm. yourself to notice what you know, whether it's something small like a. Well, you, like you look at a tree that, that outside your window and it looks great and you notice the colors and you really take that in. And just by doing things like that regularly, I've seen people make, you know, have massive shifts in, in, in the way they are feeling. And, um, yeah, I guess a, a hopefulness or, um, it just really changes. And, and for some, it's, it's really helped to start pulling them out of that depression or that way of, you know, because I guess depression is often all of this negative thinking. Yeah. And once you can start, really, you, you choose, you're choosing to notice what's good. And I guess you can do this in a validating way with yourself too, can't you? That you, yeah. you're going to choose to notice what you've done well or what you like. And, what yeah. you, or, you know, and maybe not even it being about achievement and, and I did this well. I mean, yes, recognize those things, but just also that you're okay and you're enough. Like with any kind of muscle, we have to exercise it in order to yeah. make it effective. I mean, one of the things that I talk about is how we human beings learn, learn things procedurally. So mm-hmm. for, for babies and children, in order to learn how to walk, for example, they have to do something like, I always forget, something like 70 times before it actually becomes, <laughs> we do it without even thinking, you know, it just becomes mm-hmm. automatic. We have to go against the grain and we have to do ourselves, do things differently yes. over and over again. We have yes. to, we have to keep looking for the, you know, the wonderful and the things that we, about ourselves and around us. We have to make yes. ourselves do it. And it's almost like it can shift something. Yeah, definitely. And I think the good, the good message is that actually, if you do it though, that it, you, it starts to become more normal and you start to do mm-hmm. it, then you, you do start to habitually or you learn to walk or you, you start accepting yourself a bit, you know, more and yeah. more. Um, that becomes your default. One of the things that we do as a family is every time when we have dinner, we, we talk about what we're grateful for before we eat. It's a little bit like our sort of saying grace. And um, yeah. sometimes, it, sometimes it can be like, oh, <laughs> you know, do I have, oh, I can't think of it. But it's actually a really good thing to, to, to sort of make, to be quite disciplined about. And yes. Also a nice way to start the meal. So, yeah, but we have, you know, it's, it's, I'm just thinking we've had to kind of make it a routine in order for it to stick. <laughs> we, we, we've done a little bit. And actually then recently I did something else with, because I have two daughters, and um, I was re- really thinking about this idea that we don't, we're not proud of things. So I recently, I, I want to, and I guess we're, we're homeschooling in lockdown, so I really want to think, mm. how can I encourage them? How can I motivate them? Because it's not always easy to get them to be motivated. And I started saying, what are you, tell me something that you're proud of that you've done today. Tell me something from the day that you're proud of. And actually that also felt helpful that they started to take a pride in their work and enjoy it. And, and again, similar to what you're doing, just a little shift in mindset, like, oh yeah, 
I am pleased with what I did. And I, yeah. I partly do it too because I've seen so many clients who, who work, 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 work and just go from one success to the next with never stopping to enjoy it. I see mm-hmm. it so often mm-hmm. and it seems such a shame to work so hard and not feel the benefit of that and not feel the satisfaction of, hey, I did this. Like a kind of constantly looking for perfection or constantly trying to find like a, something that's when greyhounds race and they have that fake rabbit, but they yeah. never actually, they never catch, well, they do actually catch up with it when they all stop. So in, while the race is going on, then it's designed so they never get there. Mm. But it it's, can sometimes feel like that, I think, well, for all of us, like we're just yeah. kind of chasing for the, chasing this thing and it was exerting so much energy on, on getting there. Yes. We don't actually take the time to stop and think about, oh, hang on a sec, what have I done in the moment that's yeah. out of and feel grateful for that I've achieved? Yeah. One of the things that I've been thinking about too is, um, well, probably also politically with what's been going on politically lately is for how power is involved in self-worth. Um, yeah. Yes. I mean, I think for me, the more I, I mean, again, I think it's something that's shift, it's a constant ever, ever learning journey. Mm. Um, but I, I'm kind of identifying more and more that if I can feel come from a place of feeling empowered, mm-hmm. I'm more likely to be authentic and doing the best for myself, and and for that reason, they're more likely for the people around me. I don't yes. know if, if there's anything that you that makes you think of anything or. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, I well, we're we're seeing the Black Lives Matter movement, which is yeah. which. Um, you know, I guess a lot of us have been reflecting about that and, and mm. you know, disturbed by. And if you try to invalidate somebody's self-worth, I mean, it, it, it's such a, a tool of power, isn't it? Make, yeah. make some, any, for any marginalized community, yeah. you know, if you, anybody that you other and you make them feel like you're less than. I, I think this, is, this has been a method of power for a very long time and it happens in, in, on a governmental level and it happens on, on lots of micro levels. And um, it's very dangerous. And yes, if you're in, coming from a disempowered or a place where you feel like you're constantly treated as if you're invalidated, I guess you're having to kind of really fight against that or push against that to 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 prove your worth. And that's not an easy struggle either. Mm. And as you were saying, that sense of when you feel empowered, where you feel safe, where you feel good, you can do some really good work, and you can really be there in a helpful way for other people. Mm. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because there's also, you know, things that come out of struggle too, that are, um, some people are magnificent. Yeah. But I don't, I think, I think it's, it would be so much better if they didn't have to of struggle. Of, of course. I suppose yeah. we're kind of, I'm just very aware that I'm a kind of a heterosexual white female. Mm. I mean, I have experienced, um, I've definitely experienced, um, judgment in my mm. profession, not in this profession so much, but in the in past professions around being female. But yes. I'm very aware that I'm talking from a real place of, of privilege. I mean, I can understand as an experience of woman, but yes, I mean, I'm, I'm a white woman, so I, I don't know what that experience is like. I can only learn and listen and imagine. But um, yeah, as a yeah. woman, I certainly, you know, recognize the many ways that I've been made to feel less than. And it continues. And again, it, it is something that continues to to happen and it's something that we're still on a journey as women trying to create change and make things better for women it's interesting because I was thinking about when you that first time that you remembered feeling that you were important you were cleaning with your mum mm-hmm. I don't know if that was a 
if that had struck you that it was something that you were kind of cleaning and doing something that's quite gendered or at at the time that would have meant nothing to me but I mean cleaning is is such a strange thing isn't it because it's um it's often what's looked down on and Um, then you know with this lockdown I just thought you know we've all been seeing what are the jobs that really matter and um and I think about the people cleaning in hospitals and, you know, we, when we're thinking about going back to work, how we're having to clean everything down. And it, yeah. it's, it's just so important. And sometimes you just think, gosh, there's such a kind of messed up sense of what's important and what's not. And the way that we've decided that this is not important or this is. And I think also about, you know, Zen Buddhists or, you know, who go into monasteries and, and do their cleaning in a very aware or ritualistic way, you know, where it actually almost becomes like meditation or some kind of, mm-hmm. you know, where it's really it's humbling and elevated at the same time and um well maybe mm. it's down to who decides whether it's an empowered you know it's like in in some cultures in europe being a waiter Mm. is a really really well respected profession whereas in others it's not it's it's not considered that and and then all the kind of validation societally is it goes hand in hand with that i mean there are some things aren't there that we have to that are really hard to to sort of buck against yeah we're back to um <laughs> undoing the conditioning again aren't we and how much we can do you know well that's all really interesting um i wonder if you could share with us an exercise that you might use with your clients to help them or you might use it for yourself we've t- mm-hmm. talked a little bit about gratitude and mm-hmm. if there's anything that you would do specifically to help with self-worth and feeling more important and more validated if you, yeah, I mean, you could go from the maybe similar to a gratitude type exercise. I mean, I often like to encourage the few ways. Not everybody can do this. If you have very low self worth, this might be very difficult. So, I might invite somebody to think of a time where they felt good mm-hmm. and to really get in touch with them in an embodied way. You know what that felt like. You know how did they? How do they? Where do they feel in their body? To to really say, okay, when was that? I felt really good and really accepting of myself at this point and to kind of really bring that alive. And if they can't do that, I, I, and well, then I would ask them to to really sit with that and, and take it in and feel it and notice it and notice how they feel in their body. So almost like they can take an imprint or like a, like a Kodak picture okay. so that the next time that they're not feeling so good, they can come back to this place and remember it. And maybe you know, if this is new, they might want to do this every day for a while and just get used to how it feels when they're feeling love and acceptance for themselves. If they're really struggling with that, I might do something whereby either they would imagine how a friend feels towards them or a loved one feels towards them, or I might ask them to to imagine their younger self and to imagine themselves giving love or, you know, positive feeling and care towards their longer, younger self, because I think most of us can connect with that wounded part of ourselves and um, really give them some love and compassion and acceptance so they can start to take it in that way. Okay, thank you. Well, thanks very much for your time today, Melissa. Oh, you're really welcome. I'm glad that we, we could have these conversations. Oh, me too. Thank you for listening to The Validation Lounge with me, Sasha Jenkin. If you have a look at the show notes, you'll find more information on Melissa and also how to get in touch with her if you'd like to work with her. Also, we use various terminology throughout the podcast and you might understand and be aware of all of these, but if not, I've made a list of them and how to get an explanation of them in the show notes. 
And finally, I'd be really grateful for your feedback if you wanted to get in touch and you can do that by accessing the website, which is validationland.com. Thank you.